0: Welcome to another show of what I like to call From Nonsense to Sense." As we take a look at some of the things that go on in this world and look at them through a biblical perspective. And I'm joined with Dan Delzell. He's author at the Christian Post, writes many articles there. He's also a pastor at a church in Papillion, Nebraska. And what we're going to be talking about today is something that I think a lot of us sometimes have a hard time dealing with, and that is waiting on the Lord. And we're going to talk about some things that you can do while you are waiting on the Lord. And Dan, uh, thanks for joining us again today. It's good to have you back.
1: Well, it's great to be with you again, son. looking forward to uh, talking about something that I know we all have to do at times. not always easy to do, but uh, I think these will be some some good things for us to consider and it can help all of us when we have to have those periods of waiting.
0: Yeah, and I think the other thing that goes along with it as far as the waiting aspect is patience. I think those words can be synonymous. While we wait on the Lord, we have to have patience on Him because sometimes He will move, in his own pace his own time and sometimes that doesn't fit our time frame and so it's nice to know that there's some things out there that we can maybe do to kind of help us a- as we wait and um, and I guess the uh, the premise of all this came about when you were looking well first off it's, it's been a number of years since you wrote the article at the time of the article you were celebrating 25 years but now you're celebrating a lot more than that.
1: Uh, Yeah, actually, my wife and I will celebrate our 30th uh, wedding anniversary here later this year. Yeah, congratulations. And uh, and so, yeah, I was just really kind of reflecting back upon how, um, you know, when uh, when I started praying that the Lord would bless me with a uh, a wonderful Christian wife, uh, it didn't just happen overnight, uh, but it took about seven years of just prayer and waiting. And boy, it was definitely worth the wait, but when you're in a time of waiting, whether it be you know, in my case, there for a, for a spouse, or or whether somebody's waiting for a new job, or um, just waiting for um, you know some other important thing in life. Uh, you know, it can it can feel long at times, but there are definitely things that God will do to, to help us as we uh, as we wait. So we're not just we don't have to just be passive. There are things we can actively do that that really do help during that time. Um, uh, you know, until we see God do whatever the Lord decides he's going to do for
0: us. And I like the way that you put it in the article. Again, things uh, that we talk about can be found usually on the Christian Post, and you can just search Dan DelZell in the the search box, and these articles pop up. And, And in the article, you write practices. You use the word practices. So it's not something passively that we're doing. It's something that we're actively doing, which may or may not make sense in some of the aspects of the things that you talk about but it is a practice. It's things that we can do. And, and the first one to get the ball rolling on the conversation is I think probably the hardest because we live in a society where we want to be on the go, on the go, on the go, and we don't have time to just be still. And the Bible talks about being still and knowing I am God. And so for us, it's sometimes just being still and just listening and just being there in the presence of God.
1: Yes, you know, um, it it takes us a while, I think, Son, as believers to um, kind of get to a place in our relationship with the Lord where um, a a silent period or a quiet time um, where it seems as though God doesn't really hear us, um, where where we actually start to learn that, um, you know, God is doing an awfully lot during those, those times when we just... Uh, we just listen. We just wait. Um, and when we just rely upon him rather than, you know, the opposite of being still would be, you know, being restless, being frantic, uh, panicking. Uh, you know, I mean, I mean who hasn't uh, perhaps experienced some measure of panic, uh, in, you know, during the the whole uh, pandemic that we're going through, maybe a financial uh, related uh, sense of panic or uh, some job related or even health related sense of panic. So to be still um you know while that even sounds passive doesn't it um actually it takes uh it takes quite a bit of effort uh, if you stop and think about it to just to just be still it's almost like if you're you know you're trying to go to sleep at night let's say and your mind uh is, is just racing with you know maybe uh three or four things that you're just you know still working on from that day or the next day or whatever it might be and to just try to You know, have your mind free from that uh, isn't as easy as as, uh, sometimes we would like it to be. And and so also when we're waiting on God, just to be still really requires us um, to just try to quiet our hearts and and to walk in that, in that quiet faith, that quiet waiting. And and yet when we kind of get in that zone, um, it's kind of cool to just get to that place where it's like, wow um, this is kind of neat that I'm trusting God, even though I'm not seeing anything happen right now. Um, man, my faith must be growing because I, I, I really can honestly say I'm, I'm starting to trust him, even though he hasn't, he hasn't done anything yet. And then it really can get exciting when, when you really start to anticipate then whatever God's going to have there, whatever His answer might be for whatever you're waiting on. Um, so yeah, it it's, it's really uh, incredible, I think, what God can do in our hearts when we are just uh, when we do what the Bible says: be still and know that I am God.
0: Yeah, and I guess one of the things that we have to keep in mind when we go through all these different things, uh, whatever it is, whatever it is we're doing in life, just our journey in life, is that the number one thing we need to do is be in the Word. Because if we're not grounded in Scripture, we're not going to have, if you want to call it the playbook. Or we're not going to have yes. instruction, the instruction book, the self-help book. You know, it's not really a self-help book, but, you know, people always looking to something. And so for us to be grounded in the word is most important because that's going to keep us, first off, focused on whatever it is we're waiting on the Lord for. And then, two, it's also going to be able to help us to get through some of these practical things because without that, it's going to be difficult for us to stay focused and to stay patient and to stay, to stay in the fact knowing that, you know, God is in control and he will answer us in his time. And so the Bible and being in the word is going to be extremely important during this time.
1: Yes, yeah, very, very much so, son. You know, um, sometimes you hear people these days talk about, you know, meditation. And um, a lot of times, you know, people will uh, maybe even talk about, you know, just empty your mind. Well, uh, and some of you might say, well, Dan, isn't that just what you're talking about? Like if you're trying to go to sleep, you're just trying to empty your mind or, you know, trying to be still. And, and before the Lord, aren't you trying to empty your mind? Well, not not really. I mean, to to be still uh, before the Lord is is very similar um, to being in the Word in, in the sense that you're, you're putting your thoughts on God, not on just this frantic effort that we make sometimes to try and figure out what and when God's going to um, you know, do whatever the Lord's going to decide to do. You know, for example, in Lamentations, the third chapter, it says, the Lord is good to those whose hope is in Him, to the one who seeks Him. It is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. Now, that you know, those two verses right there, Son, really um, cover these first two steps uh, to waiting on God. Um, they cover the, the the being still, and they cover being in the Word. Both of them point to um, the fact that God does have salvation for those who wait for him. Um, You know, as as believers, we're not yet in heaven. We haven't entered paradise yet. God has that for us, and we eagerly um, wait for that and look forward to that. Likewise, um, you know, when I was praying for seven years uh, for for a Christian wife, and again, not knowing for sure, that God was even going to bless me with that. I mean, I, I had a longing for a soulmate. I, I didn't feel as though God was calling me to just live my whole life, you know, as as a single as a single guy. Although there are you know plenty of you know just amazing Christians who do live you know as a single man or a single woman, and and you know some people have that calling. Uh, but but be that as it may, um, waiting upon God, waiting in the Word is so key to maintaining a proper focus. As we wait, because it helps us to stay grounded in truth, to stay grounded in God's love, to stay grounded in really the fact that, that you know, this, this, this waiting that we're doing, it, it has uh, someone backing it up um, who has all power and and as the almighty creator, it's almost like, you know, the, the reason many people maybe trust having their money uh, in, in a bank, for example, is because, well, it's federally insured, you know. And so, you know, the FDIC, and so I can trust that my money's going to be secure there, at least you hope so. Well, if you can trust your money to a bank, how much more can you trust your your longings, your prayers, your your dreams, everything in your life? Um, you're, you're, you're looking forward to going to heaven. How much can you trust the creator of the world? So, um, boy, a lot of these things we don't really start to wrap our mind around until we're still before the Lord, be still, and then be in the word. And then the word starts to fill us with a lot of this truth here. And these things that we're talking about.
0: Yeah. What I find interesting too, is that when we sometimes want to sit down and let's say read, we oftentimes think it's a project. It's something that we have to do. And maybe we don't have time for it. And maybe, you know, this and maybe that. And we start making up excuses. But then once we actually do sit down, we start studying it. Then we realize, wow, time flew. And I maybe spended more time than I wanted to. And then I realized that all the other stuff that I had to do wasn't really as important. And so I guess the point is, it's just kind of fascinating that how sometimes we think of getting into the Word can be something that is a, a a must that we have to do as far as a check off the list type of thing or something that is kind of mandatory, you know, something maybe negative in a way, but yet Mm -hmm. when we do get into the word, we, we, we eventually see what that does to us and how it uh, nourishes us. And then the time that we, maybe we think, okay, maybe 15 minutes turns to 30, maybe 30 turns to an hour. And then we realize that wait, wait, There is time to do this, and when I do get into the Word, there's a lot of benefit from it, and it's not that task, I guess, is the Word I'm looking for. It's not that task that I have to do, but now it becomes something that I want to do, look forward to do, and actually enjoy doing.
1: Absolutely. So honestly, it's like what we talked about recently. And, and uh, I think about one of the articles that I wrote years ago, you know, eat until you're hungry. So um, exactly like you say, uh, rather than it being some sort of chore or burden, um, you can you can gain a desire for the word, a hunger for the word. And then once you begin to feast on the word and feed on it and grow in it. Um, it's very, very satisfying. So, uh, yeah, like you say, if, if a person, when, when they hear, you know, like Bible study or, or, you know, getting into the Bible, if that somehow in a person's mind is a negative or, or in, in our own minds, if that's ever like something that doesn't seem very appealing, well, um, God can replace that um, with, with that, that very sense that the Bible has in mind when it says, taste and see that the Lord is good. So we just kind of get it back in the flow of the Spirit and once we're in the flow of the Holy Spirit, then the Word is so uh, good to, to the taste. It, it's so refreshing. Uh, it builds our faith, you know. But, but the flesh, I mean, there's nothing in the flesh that really uh, enjoys uh, the Word. There's nothing in, in our sin nature, certainly, that would are long for the Word. But, boy, when we're just kind of disconnected from that as much as possible, uh, I mean, it's always going to be an element there, that basement room of the soul. But but when when we're not in that flow... You know, I mean, and that's so much of Christianity, isn't it? It's not just getting in the know, it's also getting in the flow. And the flow is, is, is by definition, you know, very fluid. Um, and, and so to be a spirit-filled Christian, as we've often said, and D.L. Moody said, you know, we, we, we are, we're leaky vessels. We have to be filled up every day. And, and so scripture is a big part of how God keeps us in the flow, and, uh, and then just, you know, as we wait upon God. Um, yeah, it's just incredible how the Word can strengthen us and teach us during that time.
0: Talking with Dan DelZell in our weekly conversations, talking about waiting on the Lord. And, Dan, you're right. One of the things um, that is affecting everybody today is that, as you put it, the ominous enemy of worry. We're in such a state right now of worry. People are concerned about maybe not having a job to go back to. People are concerned about their health issues. You know, I see people outside walking and you know they they see someone else approaching them, and they get in this panic mode. Like I'm too close to them. I need I need to move away. And and all of a sudden, it's like all this worry can you know takes us throughout our day because there's so much that people are worried about. But yet yeah. there's a way to avoid all that worry, and God does deliver us from that ominous enemy, as you write, of worriness.
1: Oh, there's no doubt about it. You know the uh, the humorist uh, Irma Bombek uh, she said something about worry that. Um, uh, can be helpful here she said uh, worry is like a rocking chair it gives you something to do but never gets you anywhere and and, and I think that's so true you know um, just picture son how many times you know we um, even as Christians at times you know we're sitting in that rocking chair uh, in our mind we're rocking back and forth you know we're, we're, we're trying to work it out we're trying to figure it out um, and, and we start to get frantic about it you know but, um, but you know, if we just would um, turn to the Lord uh, and, and, and ask the Lord to give us a deeper understanding, um, it's incredible what God can do. You know, there was a famous physicist who said, nothing in life is to be feared. It is only to be understood. Now is the time to understand more so that we may fear less. And, and that's a, a, a kind of a neat insight because... In this day of the coronavirus, um, you know, everybody wants to try to understand what's going on. Um, everybody's experienced some level of fear with it. But, you know, it's been pointed out, Son, that um, it's not like this is the first time that um, we, we've encountered, you know, a, a serious challenge. Um, you know, somebody um, had, had put together a list of things uh, that show uh, and the estimated number of deaths in America uh, to, to other factors. And if you go way back, you know, 100 years ago, that flu pandemic, um, they say that it, it caused 675,000 lives in America. Uh, you know, the Civil War, 620,000 lives. Just think about that. You know, well over half a million lives. Uh, World War II, uh, 405,000 uh, lives. World War One, 116,000 lives. And then there was a flu pandemic in 57 and 58. Uh, 1957. Uh, and, and that one had 116,000 uh, deaths in America. Uh, and then 1968, again, another uh, 10 years later had 100,000. And so here we sit with COVID-19. Now, uh, you know, over 90,000 deaths so far uh, in, in the United States, um, you know, 22,000 in New York alone. I mean, they've been hit so hard. I just saw today that the uh, I think it said the the nursing homes and maybe it was New York and New Jersey between the two of them have had like ten thousand deaths. I mean, which is just you know just uh, oh so uh, so far beyond anything we would have thought, and yet. Um, You know, here we sit, you know, with with all these other things that we've had in America, Uh, you know, the Vietnam War, you know, close to 60,000 people died, the Korean War, you know, 36,000. So COVID-19 certainly has taken a toll, obviously, on on tens of thousands of people. But, um, you know, it's not like it's, um, you know, the first time something like this has come around. um, The more we understand about the world in which we live. Um, the more we're going to uh, to understand um, and, and, and just wait upon the Lord. You know, uh, uh, one thought that just occurred to me, son, you know, a, a neat topic that perhaps you and I could even address uh, next week maybe uh, in, our, in our time together is something I'm going to be talking on uh, this Sunday in my message, which is entitled, uh, Why Didn't God Prevent COVID-19? So, you know, without going too far down that one today, you know, we're talking about, you know, waiting on God. But that that certainly is a an interesting question and one that people have wondered about. But if that might be something uh, here at some point, too, we, we'd want to look at.
0: Yeah, and I think the opposite to that, as far as the worry aspect that you were talking about and things that we've gone through and people have, you know, persevered, is the other aspect yeah. that, you know, you write in this article, 10 uh, Things We Can Do While Waiting on the Lord. And in times of of distress, when we're actually waiting on him, you know, is that, he delivers us in our present hour of need. And so basically, you know, instead of focusing on on the worriness of it, you know, maybe we need to just, again, go back to the basics, be in the word, prayer, focus on the Lord, because it's kind of like the times, it always reminds me of the times when uh, Peter's walking on water, and his eyes are focused on Jesus, and he's walking. And then when he takes his eyes off of Jesus, and he looks around at all the the waves and you know the torment and and all yeah. the you know negative stuff that's going on fear sets in and he starts to sink and then as he's sinking he has to reach out yet again so despite whether he's keeping his focus on the lord or whether he yeah. takes his eyes off starts to sink and then he goes back to the lord for rescuing jesus you right. know every 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 aspect of that story has him going back to Jesus, and so that should demonstrate to people that, you know, we can be assured that God will deliver us in our time of need. Two, that he is the answer, you know, just based on that story, too. And then three, I think we've talked about this many times, too, is that, you know, we oftentimes focus on this world, and yes, we want to be in this world, and we don't want bad things to happen to us, but we also need to make sure that we're ready for all eternity, because we do, we never know when our time is going to be up.
1: Yeah, that that that's exactly right. And you know, when you mention that about you know Peter uh, walking on the water, son, it it also makes me think of you know Jesus uh, uh, and and the the Bible verse where the Lord says, you know, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. And, and so that is not a passive thing, is it? That's a very active thing to come to the Lord, uh, to come and seek rest from the Lord. Um, that is uh, that that is something with our will, uh, with our mind, with our heart. Um, you know, and, and the world's looking always looking for, for ways to find peace, isn't it? Uh, you know, uh, the British government actually, as they were preparing for um, some attacks on their cities during World War Two, they uh, they issued and displayed three posters with messages that were written to boost morale and, and just to kind of mentally prepare um, their civilians. And one of them son said uh, something that we, we, we kind of hear this one quite a bit today, but it just said, keep calm and carry on, you know, so keep calm and carry on. And and so that certainly has grown in popularity, but it's such a simple concept, but it's so true because um, the first thing we tend to do is panic. Um, We, we, we tend to not be calm when, um, when, when things start to really um, become unstable you know underneath us uh, in Peter's case, um, you know it's when the the winds and the waves uh, began to threaten his peace and and right now you know the the winds and the waves of the coronavirus have been very have been very threatening, um, but at the same time. The Lord hasn't changed, you know, in, in Hebrews, we're told Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. So, I mean, basically the Lord tells his children every day, keep calm and carry on, you know, come to me and I will give you rest. And and, and this whole life, you know, we're, we're, we're struggling to do that until we enter the place that um, our our dear Christian brother, Robbie Zacharias, entered yesterday after his Battle with cancer after his years of faithfulness is is, is perhaps the most um, renowned Christian apologist in the world. Um, you know, Robbie at seventy four years of age uh, found his life on earth to come to an end, and uh, and now he's with the Lord, and now he's experiencing what what we're waiting for. So um, I can only imagine, you know, as, as the song says, uh, what he's
0: experiencing that day that uh, we're all going to face one day, either in the uh the supernatural when Jesus comes again and res- and takes yes. us, or in the uh, in the in the death, and then we go you know yeah. that way, you know one way or another, it's going to be it's going to happen right. for everybody. And why not be on the glorious side of that, especially in this Amen. time? You know, um, one of the things I wanted to ask you about too is you know, oftentimes when we're waiting, and you use the analogy maybe of like. An emergency room. Something bad happens, and you're waiting in the emergency room. Or maybe it's a good thing. Maybe maybe somebody you know is yeah. going to have a baby, so you're in the in the waiting room. You yeah. know, I guess it's not yeah. bad. But we're waiting. We're waiting. We're waiting. And most of the time, when worry comes, and when when we're waiting on something, you know, we we tend to only focus on that one thing, and then we kind of get impatient and then we kind uh-huh. of lead to other things because of our impatience yeah. because we're being idle is basically the point and so right. maybe sometimes by waiting on the Lord or being patient we can take that time and serve others and help others because oftentimes I mean it's a big thing at Thanksgiving it's a big thing at the holidays you know we want to serve the poor, the under, you know, undernourished, the people that need something, right. the needy. Or at Christmas, right. you know, the, the, the saying is it's better to give than receive, and we feel excited to give gifts to other people. But yet, we don't have to wait for the holidays or these special occasions to serve other people. I mean, there's times where, especially now, where people might need help in many, many different ways. You know, maybe they can't get out and go to the store. Maybe they can't do something. But basically, we can take the gifts that God has given to us, whatever they might be, and we can find yeah. a way to serve others through that, which in turn helps us to kind of be patient and to wait on the Lord and do some of the things that we've been talking about so far in the conversation.
1: Such a good point, Son, because it's kind of similar in a way, I guess, to something I think about. I heard Rick Warren say one time uh, he was talking about temptation, and it just kind of stuck with me What how he described it that, you know, um, you know, when we're tempted, we we tend to, we tend to think about that thing that we're not going to get into. And and like the, the good point Rick made was just, you know, how much better rather than focusing on what we're not going to be doing, focus on something entirely different, but very positive, very wholesome, very good, very edifying. And just fill your mind with that rather than just this other thing you're not going to be doing. And, And likewise, you know, when we're waiting upon God, rather than just kind of sitting there and twiddling our thumbs and thinking, hey, boy, I'm just going to, I'm going to try and walk in faith here. and I'm just going to, it's getting hard. Um, why not fill your mind and your time with something that will provide you even more power in the waiting and a blessing to others? So uh, the Bible is, is telling us constantly about our role as disciples to serve others and how, um, you know, Jesus said, even the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So, you know, as Christians, there are many times where we're called to wait, but, um, you know, we're never told in the Bible, uh, for the most part anyway, that, that you know, there, there are times that we're not to be serving. I mean, unless we're just, you know, having time alone in prayer, which is very important, um, unless we have, you know, something else that would maybe keep us from serving others, maybe a, an illness or something like this. Um, you know, we are as much as possible to be serving others. And, and just as you said, son, the more we do that, the more it helps uh, us wait upon God and then like you say the next thing you know I mean so much time has passed and it's amazing how um sometimes we get through that period song and it's almost like that country song you know thank, thanking God for all the unanswered prayers I mean sometimes we go through that period of service and we're like yeah you know Lord that thing I I, I asked you about um before um let, let's maybe uh maybe it's Maybe it doesn't really need to, to be quite the way I was asking. It. I mean, it's amazing how God changes our desires when we delight ourselves in the Lord and, and begin to serve others with His grace. So there's so many benefits, obviously, that come when Christians serve. And, and, and if that hadn't been going on, you know, really for centuries on. We wouldn't see so many of the hospitals, the, um, the uh, homeless shelters, the soup kitchens. I mean, you know, vast majority of those seem to have been started by, by Christians um, who are serving others. Many of them waiting, you know, waiting for maybe less persecution in their own homeland, uh, waiting for better health, waiting for a spouse, waiting for financial assistance, whatever it is. Meanwhile, they're serving, serving, serving. The way that Billy Graham—I'm uh, sorry, Franklin Graham, his son—and and, and Americans first, uh, you know, served those in New York City when they took, you know, their 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 work there to help people with the coronavirus, and uh, and don't expect the world to applaud you though, because even there, you know. Um, there were there were some, you know, with hard hearts that that found <laughs> reasons to criticize Franklin Graham's organization for being there, which is just, you know, beyond me how that could happen. But that's the world we live in. You know, Jesus said, if the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first.
0: Dan Delzell with us talking about uh, waiting on the Lord. He's an author of the Christian Post. And and Dan you mentioned uh, well first off before we talk about prayer, it kinda reminds me of of when you were when you were having the when you were talking about You know, refocusing, like if we're serving others, God may change what we want, change our desires. Yeah. And it kind of reminds me of college. You know, how many kids go into college wanting to study something, and then by the time they get out of college, they maybe change three or four times because they experience different things, and they experience something that they might not have been aware of, or they notice that, hey, I'm I'm more interested in this. And then by the time they graduate from college, you know, what they went into – Yes. never materialized. I mean, I know I've changed my, ma- I mean, I was always focused on radio and I just went to college for the benefits of the academics. So my educational yeah. experience was a little different, but I did change a couple of times to, uh, my major just so that I could, you know, go through something, uh, which was social science at the time, go through something that'd be a little bit more beneficial and potentially maybe help me down the road if I needed something yeah. to fall back on. But I changed my, uh, you know, yeah. area of study, my, 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 my uh, the my major area a few times yeah. to get through college. And that's kind of like what it is here. You know, we might be asking for something, but then as we uh-huh. study the word, as we pray, as we're being still, as we're waiting on the Lord, he might change us and be like, you know what, this might've been the desire of your heart. At least that's what you thought you wanted. Right. But now right. let me show you what you really want.
1: Oh, exactly. Son. And, and you know, just like you, I mean, I had, I had those things in college where, um, the Lord changed, uh, things I mean you know I mentioned praying seven years for for a uh, for a Christian wife, I mean, there were a couple girls during that time, both of whom at the time, I really was thinking, boy, you know this is really the one I think God wants me to marry well, in neither one of those cases did she happen to feel the same way now you know um with Tammy, it was different. We both recognized and and believed this is God's will for us, and I'm so thankful that that it worked out the way it did, because here we are now, 30 years later, um, you know, four kids, two boys, two girls who all love and follow the Lord, Uh, but I mean, how would all of that have come about if the Lord had given me, you know, one of those first two? I mean, God could have had another plan, of course, and done, you know, done good things, of course, but what I'm saying is, When we're in it, just like you said a minute ago, Son, um, sometimes God changes our desires. I mean, he did that with my um, career path as well. I was in the business program for three years in college. Um, And then uh, when I worked on a a summer ministry program here in Omaha, in North Omaha, with the uh, inner city children, we talked a little bit last week about just some of the the gospel rap music that I was led to do to reach them with the gospel. But after working in that song is when I began to start, uh, actually that summer of 85, I began to sense the Lord calling me to preach. Um, And, you know, I had done some Bible studies in the dorms and everything at college, but um, I just couldn't see myself, you know, getting up in front of larger groups and, and speaking at that point. But nevertheless, that inner call to preach continued. And so I I went into my, uh, uh, well, the head of the business program there at college uh, and and told him there at the beginning of my senior year that uh, I was going to be switching my major to theology because I was going to be going to the seminary there after college. And he was kind of blown away. Um, You know, my twin brother and I, we were actually part of the first class of of business administration there in that college, a newer program there. But we were going to be that first graduating class. And so, you know, a school of about maybe a thousand people. So you have, uh, you know, uh, you know, good, you know, close relationships with, you know, professors many times like that. But, uh, but anyway, I, I go in there, and he was really shocked by that. But the Lord had changed that, um, you know, in my life, and and so I'm so thankful. And so for thirty years now, um, I mean, I've known that's what God has called me to do. Um, so whether it's one-on-one, whether it's like a, you know, a Sunday message, or like what you and I do together here in these podcasts. Um, you know, it, it's just this calling to to share the gospel, um, to let others know um, about the Lord, and about something, son, that you are so good about always reminding your listeners, and that is, folks, you know, um, this isn't just here and now. I mean, if, even if it were just here and now, there's so many benefits, you would be foolish not to follow the Lord. But when you throw eternity into the mix, um, oh my goodness, I mean, it's off the charts in terms of the critical importance of this. I mean, are you kidding me? Heaven and its perfection versus hell and its agony? It's a no-brainer. And we talked recently about how, you know, Satan has blinded the minds of unbelievers. I mean, who else would, would, would choose hell over heaven? Who else would reject the Lord unless you were blinded by a supernatural being who is highly intelligent and, and incredibly evil? So uh, I love that, son, how you're always, you know, bringing your listeners back to that um, and I love, you know, when you and I, you know, talk about these things because we always tend to, to go there in part of our discussion and, uh, and well, we should, because, um, you know, we're all getting to where Robbie, uh, got to at the end of his life, but not everybody's going to find, um, you know, find himself or herself entering paradise the way uh, no doubt Robbie has. Uh, but today is the day of salvation. And, and, and one of the last verses in the Bible says, whoever is thirsty, let him come. And whoever wishes, let him take the free gift of the water of life. And, and for all you and I know, son, there might be somebody who listens to this podcast, and they might have one day left to live on earth, and they're going to say, you know what? I don't want to miss out on it. Lord, I'm thirsty. Quench my thirst. Forgive my sins. I turn from my sin. I trust you, Jesus, as my Savior. And voila, uh, we're going to see him in heaven if that, if that happens in their life.
0: Yeah, and, pe- and people have to realize and remember that it doesn't take a lot to get there. You know, we, we think right. of the example that we've talked about recently, the thief on the cross. You know, he just believed. Yeah. And we talked about, you know, how works aren't going to get you there. And it's just as a matter of believing and you shall be saved. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things that um, I think that we have to really kind of, I guess there's tools in the box, you know, different tools in a, in a toolbox that people have. And some might be more delicate you know, for those uh, right. delicate jobs and others may yeah. be a little bit more harsh, like a hammer. You know, you need more force. You are to use a hammer. And so when it comes yeah. to some of the things that that we do as Christians and people that are believers, there's, I think, two weapons, two tools that are really the the heavy hitters. There is mm-hmm. the 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 word, which you talked about a little bit earlier. And then the other yeah. thing is is the prayer, you know. And so yeah. sometimes as you write, uh, you know, waiting on the Lord isn't for the faint of heart. It requires spiritual power. And sometimes that power could deplete us and we can get down. And then sometimes, you know, it can restore us. And so the best way to, you know, make sure that we get, you know, restored Uh and give us that much needed, you know, strength is through prayer. And I think all things, you know, come together through prayer because with re- reading of the word and through prayer, those are the two big heavy hitters in the toolbox that we have that uh, oh my goodness yeah. that uh, we can really utilize if we forget all the other things, just remember prayer and the word, put those things together and then everything else will kind of fall in the place.
1: you know I think that's very well said Son. and and I'm reminded of, of something that uh, Martin Luther said regarding uh, Jesus's words in Matthew seven seven. Those are the familiar words where Jesus said, ask and it will be given to you. seek and you will find, knock and the door will be opened to you. And, um, you know, when a person really stops and meditates upon that, and then thinks about what I'm about to share here with, with Luther's point on that, um, there's a very deep truth in, in uh, the power of persistent prayer. But, you know, L- Luther pointed it out this way, you know, he said, sometimes we'll go to God with a, with a request, a petition, and, and we'll ask him for it, you know? And, and we'll do this for a while, and, you know, after a while, we kind of just feel like, well, you know, God's not listening, or God doesn't care, or, you know, my prayers really don't matter, or, you know, I'm not seeing anything happen here, and I thought God was going to do something, you know, so we ask, and then nothing seems to happen, and so Luther said, in those situations, then we have to go on to that next stage of prayer, the seeking, you know, ask, and will be given to you, seek, and you will find. So that kind of brings us into that, maybe that second stage of prayer. And I wish I could say when that's going to be, uh, it's going to be different in every case. You know, if we were to space out, you know, my seven years of praying for a Christian wife, you know, I mean, I suppose you could uh, say, you know, each stage was, was, you know, over two years, if you want to put it that way. But but in that second stage, you're seeking uh, the Lord, and you're you're like maybe just getting even more convinced God's going to answer my prayer, and and I'm just going to be strong in faith and wait and and keep praying. And so you do that maybe for days, weeks, months, maybe even years, okay? And and it's still – it's almost like God is asleep. You know, it's like, what in the world is going on here? You know, and and yet um, you're praying about something as I was in the case of a a Christian wife that you're convinced God wants to bless you with. You at least believe in that case. I I believe he did. Um, You know, when you're praying for the salvation of a loved one, there's no question. uh, Every time God wants that, you know, God wants all men to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. So let's say you're in stage two. You've been asking for a long time. You've been seeking and sometimes longer than others. You know, it's not the length per se, but it's just staying at it. So asking, seeking, and then finally, you know, it's it's like you, you get to that final stage of prayer where you start you, you start knocking, as it were, and, and you just press through to God. And, and then it's almost like Luther said, it's almost like you have to wake God up. I mean not not literally, of course. God's never asleep. He's heard every prayer, but it's almost it almost feels like that. You have to wake God up and then finally God comes to the door, he answers the door. And it's like, what is it? You know, what what would you like, you know, my son or my daughter? And, well, Lord, you know, this is what I'm asking for. You know, well, go ahead, go ahead, have it, take it, you know, it's yours, okay? So so Luther said in that way, you know, it's like you just have to press through. And it's almost like, you know, it, it seems maybe that the Lord, he wants to see how strong our faith is. Um, you, you know, Jesus did tell that that, that terrible, You know, of that woman and the judge, and and she kept coming to this. You know, the judge in, in Luke 18, uh, wanting to justice from this judge. And, uh, and, and, you know, finally he got worn out with her coming to him. And, and, and he finally granted her request just so he could be relieved of her persistent, you know, pleading with him. And, and, and then Jesus says, you know, hey, how much more will your father in heaven, you know, bless you if, if, if an unjust judge is going to do that just to get rid of this woman? You know, your father in heaven who loves you dearly. Uh, you, you think he doesn't want to answer your prayers? You think he doesn't want to give you good things? You think he doesn't want you um, to, to, to step in here? Of course he does. But, but just think if the Lord did that instantly, son, what, what, what would we be like? We would be like that two-year-old spoiled child who gets everything from mommy or daddy the minute he cries, the minute he throws a little temper tantrum. Um, you think God wants spoiled children? Uh, of course not. So so the Lord in his wisdom, far more than we'll ever have, the Lord in his wisdom knows, hey, I can't just give my children things the minute they ask for it. I mean, how's that gonna develop perseverance, faith, patience, waiting, trust, everything else? You know, so so yes, uh I, I think prayer is a huge, huge uh part of waiting upon God and as you as you said so- prayer and the Word, uh, being in Scripture, being in prayer, these are the two heavy hitters when it comes to what to do when you're waiting on God.
0: Dan DelZell with us, talking about the 10 things we can do while waiting on the Lord, and, and your waiting might be for another reason than somebody else, but we're all waiting for something, and... Um, especially in trying times, waiting on the Lord to give us answers about when things are going to reopen, about when things are going to happen with my job, about, you know, am I going to get a job? Am I going to get that stimulus check? Am I going to have payment protection? You know, there's a lot of worry going on right now. And so just waiting on the Lord, turning it from a worry to a waiting, and these are some practical things, although they might not seem too practical, but there are practical things that we can do to take that worry away. And, and Dan, one of the things that you write in the article, which I want to touch on a little bit, there's two more things I'd like to touch on. But this one is something that I think is overlooked and often misunderstood. And that's be expectant. You know, anyone Mm. who comes to the Lord, you know, have an expectation as you wait on the Lord. And I know that um, a lot of times there's uh, the thought out there that we shouldn't expect anything from God Mm -hmm. and he gives us Mm -hmm. according to his will. And then, two, people take that and they kind of. Um, the only thing I could say is bastardize it and come up with some false theology that says, okay, we can expect things from the Lord because we can trigger him to do something by an action that we do. And so there's a balance between those that, you know, think expecting is too much from God because he's the all-powerful God. He gives us according to his will and we should just take whatever he gives us. And then the other side is, you know, hey, we can expect because we demand God to obey us and do what we say. And so where in this spectrum of mm-hmm. expecting from God as we wait on him mm-hmm. should we fall
1: yes you know Sam, there's a very helpful passage of scripture that addresses this exact uh, question you're asking it's a very good question uh in first john 5 uh verses 14 and 15 it says this is the confidence we have in approaching God that if we ask anything According to His will, He hears us, and if we know that He hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have asked. We know that we have what we have asked of Him. Now, the, the really the most important phrase in that whole passage is "according to His will." Okay, um, you know, so so what what the Bible teaches is that God is not a genie in a bottle, who is there for us to rub the lamp and make three wishes and, and become you know uh, rich and famous. Uh, because if that's what my heart desires, that's what God will do for me if I say the magic words. Uh, you know that that's what the uh, the the so-called word faith prosperity uh, message preachers present. They present a genie in a bottle, of Jesus. Um, that's not a biblical uh, message at all. That's a message that plays to man's greed. That's a message that plays to man's flesh. Um, what what the Bible. Uh, is is doing in our lives is it's beginning to create holy desires within our hearts for god 's glory, not our own and and so um yes, we are to be expectant You know jesus said in mark eleven twenty four whatever you ask for in prayer believe that you have received it and it will be yours so so that 's faith i mean that 's the ultimate of faith where you you know in at times time i 've even found myself over the years um going from asking God for something to thanking God for, for uh, you know, already having answered that prayer. I mean, even though, you know, some of the details may not be worked out yet, that uh, is always up to God. But, um, you know, I think that's maybe the highest form of, of faith, faith in prayer is when you can start thanking God for, for hearing you already. Um, you know, in, in Hebrews eleven six it says, Without faith it's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to Him must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. So it's very important that we do expect God to answer our prayers that we believe him for it. But, but first of all, we, we, we better make sure that our heart is in the right place. We better make sure that we're praying according to his will. Uh, you know, because when I hear these, uh, genie and a bottle, Jesus preachers, um, you know, bragging about the, the latest jet that God has given a multimillion dollar jet because, you know, they, they, they may not say it this way, but, uh, you know, because they've had enough uh, thousands of people sending $20, you know, um, you know that that to me, I mean, even though those guys think that that's a testimony of, of faith or whatever, um, that's a testimony of, of greed. That's a testimony of just um, you know, you, you see their mansions that they're living in, um, their very expensive cars that they're driving. Uh, I mean, we're talking top of the line everything, and then these private jets that they claim they need. You know, um, and and then their message is one that well, you know, God wants you to be wealthy. Well. You know, try and and pitch that to, um, you know, Jesus' disciples in the New Testament. I mean, the Lord warned about money very strongly. He said, you know, you cannot serve both God and money. But do you think these genie-in-a-bottle preachers worry about that for the souls of their hearers? Not at all. Because they're so in love with money, because they're so in love with material things, they have no clue that they're simply putting something tempting out there for people who either don't know the Lord or who may be very weak in faith to get pulled off track Pulled off message, pulled away from the gospel, and pulled into a lust for the things of the world. That's what the, the genie and a bottle preachers are doing. Um, whereas the biblical message is yes, expect great things for God, but make sure what you're what you're praying for has to do with you know true spiritual values, uh, humble things, blessed things, not material, greedy. Um, you know, look at me because, you know, I, I prayed and believed God for this multimillion-dollar home or whatever. Um, you know, the Son of Man had no place to lay his head. You know, Paul went around. I mean, he was shipwrecked. He was, you know, he, he had all sorts of trials. He said, I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. And, and so the, uh, the genie and the bottle preachers are not, um, are not preaching the same message, are not living the way uh, the apostles live in terms of the humble approach but having said that song we don't have to we don't have to throw the baby out with the bathwater just because it's being done in a wrong way by by those who want to turn it into you know some you know little you know magic pill for me to get rich um there is a true spiritual biblical lesson and truth there and that is that if we expect god to answer our prayer We are more often than not going to see, you know, definitely see more results, I guess I would say, more answers to our prayers, because without faith, it's impossible to please God. So we just want to be careful. We're not just babbling words, praying to be praying. I mean, Lord, give me faith, you know, give me faith to believe what I'm praying. Um, First, give me the right things to pray. uh, And that goes back to waiting, praying, being in the word, you know, so forth. Uh, And then Lord, let my prayers, and, and then another great prayer sign, I'll leave it at this. You know, what we could say is, you know, Lord, if any of this is not in line with your will, then Lord, please, please ignore it, my foolishness, my, you know, my misunderstanding here. And, and this is why it's so good to pray, Lord, uh, if it be thy will, which interestingly, if you've ever heard one of the genie and a bottle preachers talk, uh, they don't like that phrase. They don't like that. If it be thy will, because you know what? Um, just listen to them talk. For them, it's all about if it be my will, you know, my words get to create my reality. I have the power to do whatever I want to do with my words and my prayers and I can live however I want to live. And God's going to give me this. And God will give it to you. Just look at my mansion. He'll give you one of those, you know, just send me your $20 and you'll see it coming. I mean, it's all a scam, you know, and thankfully um, you know, uh, thankfully there are many faithful Christians and Christian ministers who, who understand that the deceitfulness of that method, and the truth of Scripture when it comes to um, believing God for answers to prayer, for the salvation of others, for spiritual blessings, and so on and so forth.
0: Yeah, you mentioned the genie in the bottle, Jesus. I don't know of anybody that has ever gotten anything by rubbing the Bible three times, but if you open, <laughs> right. if you open it and read it, that's where you know the true magic really comes from, and it's not even magic. Amen. You know? Amen. You know, the last thing I want to touch on here is uh, one of the things that oftentimes we overlook again. We like to grumble and complain. We like to, uh, you know, woe is me when things aren't going our way. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, we lost our job. Okay, that's bad, and I know things bad happen, and it's okay right. to, to have those emotions you know, that come mm-hmm. with badness, that things that we do, right. but we also right. need to balance it and maybe even focus more on gratitude, being thankful, thankful for the things that we've got, yeah. thankful that yeah. God has given us health, that God has given us yeah. you know, a place to live, God has given us family, God has given us whatever mm-hmm. it might be, and even as we wait on the Lord and, and, and try to avoid the impatience of, God, answer my prayer now, we can still be grateful yeah. and thankful for the things that yeah. he has given us.
1: Oh, my goodness, son. Uh, yeah, what a what a great uh, way to kind of wrap up this discussion um, with this focus on thankfulness. You know, the Bible tells us what God's will is for us. Uh, that is to be joyful always, to pray continually, to give thanks uh, in all circumstances. And, and so you're exactly right. I mean, when we are praying for something, we're longing for it, we're waiting for it. Um, if we don't interject plenty of thanksgiving, um, it's so easy for that to get wrapped around our neck. What I mean is it just becomes such a heavy burden because we're not offering up thanks to God in the midst of that for, as you rightly said, for all the things that God has given us. You know, one way they might help us on this, son is maybe for every request that we make of the Lord. Well, how about thanking him for nine things he's already given us or done for us? And that way, you know, the petition is still there. But it's, it's, it's kind of planted there along with much thanksgiving, because that will refresh our attitude. That will refresh our memory. Um, we, we can get so focused on this thing. Oh, man, you know, it's like, Lord, what have you done for me lately? Well, I, it's almost like maybe the Lord would want to say to us, well, how about counting your blessings? You know, how about going through some of the things I've done, uh, both in your past and in your present, you know, as well as what I'm going to do in your future? How about thanking me for those things? Watch what happens with your attitude. Watch what happens with your faith. Watch what happens with your prayers. Watch what happens with just the way you treat other people when you are living in thankfulness rather than just getting so obsessed, maybe overly obsessed. You know I mean? And what I mean there is, yes, we're to be focused on our prayer requests and, and, and to walk in faith, but we need to keep it in balance. And what I mean by that is, um, you know, uh, our Christian life is more than just that answer to prayer. It's much more than, than that. So we, want to, we don't want to lose sight of that. You know, it's almost like, let's say you've had one or two parents who've raised you, and they've sacrificed in year after year after year, and they've done all these things for you, maybe for decades. And now maybe, you know, as an adult, let's say, um, maybe they, they disappoint you in some way. And so all of a sudden, you, you kind of get a negative attitude, let's say, toward your, your your mom or your dad, you know, now later in life. it's like It's like, wait a minute. Are you telling me that, that you're going to forget about all they've done over all these years? And maybe there's one thing right now, this misunderstanding, or maybe maybe they did disappoint you, whatever. I mean, we, we have to be able to remember what we've been given, son. And, and this is why in the Bible, I mean, you know, people who want to just toss out the Old Testament today as though well it's not needed. I mean, are you kidding me? This is God's love letter to his people. Uh, I mean, God delivered his people time and time again in those 39 books of the Old Testament before we ever get to the 27 books of the New Testament. And, and so this is a book of, of remembrance. This is a book of, of, of God's history. You know, what, what history really is, is his story. You know, it, it's God's plan of, of salvation for his people. And, and so to be thankful, we have to be able to remember what God's done. Now, somebody might be saying, well, you know, a lot of my memories being aren't that good. I've been through a lot of difficult things in life. Okay. Well, granted. And, and, and it's, you know maybe you have been through a much tougher life than, than most people. Um, what I would say in that situation is think about the things, though, that you can be thankful for. Uh, and if you can't come up with anything, then go back to one of these points that we addressed earlier, just meditating on the Word of God. And the more you get in the Word, the more you'll find things to thank God for. And, and, and if there's anything, Son, that helps us when we're waiting on God, it's a thankful spirit.
0: I think that's one of the, the most, uh, most difficult things to do is to be thankful, th- have that thankful spirit. And like you said, it goes back to, you know, the other weapons, so to speak, the Bible, prayer, and then some of the other things that we talked about, you know, being still, putting away the, the, the busyness of this world and the worriness that yeah. goes on and just sitting. And yeah. sometimes being still, I mean, people think, well, again, it goes back to I don't have time to be still, I don't have time for this, I don't have time for that. And I know in Los right. Angeles, uh, where I'm at, Traffic has been wonderful, you know. um, So for me, the longer the lockdown, the better it is because I love having the open roads. But we sit in our car okay a car is an opportunity for us to be still we might be driving but we can turn the radio off yeah. we can you yeah. know, we can be still so yeah. there are places yeah. in our daily lives maybe at lunchtime maybe we sit and uh we're at the office and we need lunch and so we go get lunch and instead of being busy and chattering and doing yeah. water cooler stuff you know maybe we, yeah. we we're still during lunchtime where we eat you know there's places that we can in our daily lives be still yeah. and know that he is god and listen to what he has to say i mean the bible talks about you know he, he speaks in a still, small voice. And for mm-hmm. us to be still and put things on hold before we listen to that still, small voice. And it takes effort, like we've talked about. It takes something from us, and, that, and that's why I like the idea when we're talking about some of these things, you put them in the context of practical steps that we can do, practical things that yeah. we can do. You know, yeah. It's things that we're doing. It's not just you know sitting there singing Kumbaya and waiting for answers to come to us.
1: Well, that, that's right, Todd, and I love your example because it is so prevalent across... Our society and especially in larger cities, but um, I love your example of waiting in traffic because um, yes, the natural thing to do is to just fight all the way through you know every few feet you move every every time maybe somebody gets a, a little bit further uh, in front of you uh, you know but but the the, the far better approach is, is to have a focus, to have a plan, and to be prepared okay um what what am I going to have? that I'm listening to in the background, what, you know, maybe listening to a, you know, a certain Bible uh, on, on a audio Bible on, on a, you know, or, or certain Christian music, or just, I, I have like these four things I'm going to be praying about today uh, in the car. So, uh, you know, that when I'm, I'm waiting, right, if we do have to uh, go really slow here, um, turn it into a positive, turn it into something where um, rather than it just getting you frustrated, Uh, instead, you are using that. And then when you get to your destination, it's going to be so much better anyway. You know, Um, we we have to be able to, um, uh, well, you know, I'll I'll close with this son. you know, there was a CEO of an Italian uh, global banking and financial services company. And here's something he he said in response to COVID-19. He said, when you have a big shock, you need to think in terms of discontinuity. Your behavior needs to handle discontinuity. Otherwise, it won't work. Crisis management has always shown that when you have a big crisis, if you anticipate and manage the discontinuity, then you're okay. That's what we need to do on every topic. And and so if we apply that to our Christian faith, yes, there's a lot of discontinuity uh, in our lives. Um, and, and a traffic jam for many Christians is part of their daily grind. But if you, if you plan for it, if you manage it, if you say, okay, here are the steps I'm going to take during it. I mean, who is to say, son, that the Lord hasn't, hasn't allowed us to get in that situation so we can learn how to pray? And sometimes we're so busy trying to get to that next thing, that next step, um, that, that next place that we're driving to or whatever it is, that we miss on the journey what God's trying to teach us. And, and I'm as guilty of that as, as, as anyone. I'm sure you'd say the same thing, Simon. I mean, we all are. We all fall into this. OK, and it's a little bit easier for some of us, you know, maybe to say this uh, as, as we get a little bit older, you know, uh, especially when we're younger. I think it's harder to have uh, that perspective. But um, the discontinuity is going to happen. COVID-19 is the latest. Uh, but there have been other pandemics. There have been world wars. There have been all sorts of things. Um, everybody's going to die. I mean, you know, major discontinuity took place in the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve sinned. And, uh, you know, that would make for great discussion, too, Son, uh, here about um you know all these things trace back to that. All these trials and so forth. But but for today, I mean, what a what a wonderful talk. I'm mean, so blessed to be able to hear your thoughts and, and bounce ideas uh, off of you and, and have a share on this. And hopefully, the listeners will will find some practical steps as they too, like you and I, uh, are waiting upon God. What do I do while I'm waiting? And, and here are hopefully some things
0: that will help. I always like the lyrics from Aerosmith: "Life's a journey, not a destination." And as we yeah. You know, go on our pilgrim's progress, our journey. You know, we can yeah. focus on the journey and not be so focused on the destination because Right now, if we are believers, we know what the destination is going to be like. We know where we're going to be in heaven. If we're not, then maybe we need to focus a little bit more on the destination, but through the process of the journey. And if we know heaven is our destination, ultimately, then we can enjoy the journey and focus on the journey. And that might be, you know, whatever it is that God wants us to do, which might require us to wait on the Lord for the answers that we are looking for. Uh,
1: Amen. And with Jesus as our savior, and we'll just seek to keep calm and carry on and, and, uh, you know that that's we're all in this together in that sense, and and the Lord is here to help us, and He'll never leave us or forsake us.
0: Dan Delzell, author at the Christian Post, the uh, article we were talking about today, uh, written a few years ago, but is really prevalent. Which isn't too ironic, because when you talk about things of of scripture and the and the Bible and things of God, it's relevant at all times. It's been relevant for thousands of years. But ten things you can do while waiting on the Lord, whatever your waiting might be, and some practical applications, you can always refer to uh, the article the Christian Post, also a pastor at a church in Papillion, Nebraska. Um, if people want to reach out to you, how can they find you?
1: Uh, well, I tell you, son. Uh, one way to follow up on some of these things today would be if they were to just go to. Um, our church's Facebook page, and they could just Google Redeemer uh, in Papillion, Nebraska, P-A-P-I-L-L-I-O-N, and uh, they could find some video messages that I've been um, giving on, uh, you know, they've been posting on Sunday morning, um, you know, a number of those, uh, and then uh, also, uh, you know, just articles of the Christian Post. So if they were to, you know, just uh, search my name, Dan Delzell, D-E-L-Z-E-L-L, um, we address you know, I've written over 500 articles there, so uh, it covers all these issues we've talked and, and many more. So that would give folks a place to start if they wanted to you know, go
0: further with some of that. Sounds good. And for me, you can find me on Instagram at edemrocks, E-I-D-E-M-R-O-C-K-S. Dan, thank you. As always, we appreciate your time, and we look forward to our next conversation.
1: Absolutely, son. It's been my pleasure uh, again with you, and I look forward to uh, the next one as well.
0: And for those of you listening... Thanks for listening. Do tell a friend. And until next time, God bless.